skinny little runner. So I chose figure and I loved it because figure is still very regimented in terms of what poses you have to do. To me, it's, it, again, it's like the best of both worlds. You, you still get to be muscular and strong, but you still get to look feminine and pretty. And, and once I did that, um, I did a few shows. I did my last show in 2000. Welcome to the Yanagita Podcast Show, episode 36, ladies and gentlemen. We got a special guest today, Heather Eastman, who is a former NPC competitor, content editor for bodybuilding.com, and personal trainer and coach to many out there, including one of our own, John Brady. Welcome to the show, Heather. How's everything going out there? What's the weather like out there, by the way? It's good. So um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to talk to you today. Uh, I'm in Boise, Idaho, and we are in the middle of February, which means it's about 40 degrees outside. So I've got a sweater. <laughs> uh, I just came in from feeding all the animals and yeah, trying to stay warm. There we go. And, you know, people are probably curious, Heather, how did you initially get into bodybuilding? I read a little bit about your, your page on the bodybuilding.com site. How did you initially get started with working out in fitness? That's a really good question. So I went to UCLA and originally I wanted to be a doctor or a veterinarian, but I knew I wanted to be in the medical field. And I was taking all these, you know, anatomy and physiology and biology classes that just weren't really doing it for me. So my senior year, I kind of had already switched over to an art history major. I was like, well, I might as well do stuff that I like. And I went to this fitness class at the John Wooden Center. And that's when I um, kind of fell in love with the idea of fitness. I hadn't really done any group classes before. And at the end of the class, the instructor said, if any of you want to become a personal trainer or a group fitness instructor, we're going to do a nine-month course through the university. And at the end, you get to take a test and you'll be certified to do all of the above. And I basically just said, yep, I want to do both. I, uh, I did twice as many classes that I needed to do, but I ended up becoming both a group exercise instructor and a personal trainer. I still finished my degree, but I kind of left that to the side and focused all my attention on fitness and the rest is history. Wow. So from UCLA to group fitness, personal training, and I read about your, uh, your biography about how your philosophy and training changed. And this is perfect because John's question he wanted to ask is, Aloha, Heather. What was your epiphany moment to go from heavy weight training to a circuit training type? So I really like, let me, let me actually rephrase that. Mm -hmm. I don't like wasting time. And mm. When I was training clients, I really hated those periods of downtime where it's like, okay, lift really heavy. And then now we have to rest for a minute. And it's like, I'm a talker. I can talk anybody's ear off. And I'm, I always say personal training is, you know, half stand-up comedy, half telling people what to do. Cause you want to keep your client entertained, but I really just hated all that downtime. And so I started doing circuit training because I felt like you could get more out of less time by just staying in motion and constantly moving. You can work once, you know, either front of the body and then go back to back of the body. You can work upper body and then go do lower body. And you don't necessarily have to take all that rest. And there's actually a lot of research that shows that keeping that high degree of intensity is more beneficial in the long run. And it really depends on what you're training for. But most people, they're looking to just get in shape, get fit, get healthy. And it just, it, it's the best of all worlds. It kind of combines all those goals into one really easy training format. So once I realized I didn't have to absolutely slaughter every single client with every single workout, it, it 
got to be a lot more fun and a lot more challenging. Dang. So, so that was that change. And I also saw that you're certified in yoga. Uh, what was it? Yoga? Yoga trapeze. Trapeze. So, yeah. Yeah. This that is was... so interesting. You're so diverse. And I know you said you, you were interested in CrossFit a little bit. And then you also mm -hmm. have the NPC bodybuilding side. Mm -hmm. And you have, it's just so diverse. That's why I'm stoked to get you on here. So, Thank you. Yeah. One of um, so the yoga trapeze is an interesting story. Um, mm -hmm. I've been a lifelong traveler. When I was nine years old, I had the opportunity to move with my family to Spain and we actually oh. lived there for six months. So I went to school. I, I don't quite speak Spanish fluently anymore, but I understand it fairly fluently and I got bit by the travel bug. So I was always looking for ways to travel and, you know, you see those ads on Facebook. Book. And one of the ads I kept seeing was for yoga trapeze. And I'm like, oh, let's click on this, see what this is. And it turns out they had a one week instructor training in Barcelona, Spain. Mm. So I'm like, perfect. I've already been to Spain. It's a, a country I'm comfortable traveling to. Let's check this out. And I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I didn't know how serious this was going to be. And it turns out it's, um, it's, it's run by this guy. He's got a great philosophy. You know, he had his own kind of ups and downs with health and that led him to pursue yoga and then eventually yoga trapeze. And it's just a really exciting way to do yoga because it takes you off the ground and use, uses gravity to help you traction your spine, to help you stretch. It's just, I, I hope it takes off because it's such a cool philosophy and it's, it's just, you know, it's a weird little niche, but it's a great way to add to my experience in the gym and with training. Wow. So was that before or after the whole, uh, I know you said 2009, you did the NPC bodybuilding shows and all these different things. Was that, I'm guessing this was after that? This was video? after, this was in 2018, January of 2018. So oh, not wow, that long ago, recent. actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I, oh. so when I first left UCLA, I'd uh -huh. been a runner my whole life. I was a cross country mm. runner in high school and in college, I ran to stay in shape before I got into um, training. And before I became a personal trainer, all I knew how to do was run. So mm. I'd run to stay in shape. I did the LA marathon one year, you know, it's great. I've done a marathon, but it's not something I ever really need to do again. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of running and I love running, but you know, I, I've always kind of like, once I get to that extreme, it's like, okay, that's enough. Yeah. So once I moved up to Boise and became a full-time personal trainer, Anyone yes. who's ever worked with a trainer and anyone who's ever spent any time in gym culture knows that um, bodybuilding is kind of like always in the gym. You know, you're always mm -hmm. going to see people training for a show. You're always going to meet bodybuilders. And I fell into it kind of the same way everyone else does, where somebody just said to me, hey, you should try training for a show. And I looked at the different fields. And at the time, this was pretty early. This is 2007. Um, bikini really hadn't taken off yet. So really the only choice for women were bodybuilding or figure. And I knew I'm, I'm tall, I'm five, nine. So I knew I didn't have the right proportions to do bodybuilding. I'd have to put on a tremendous amount of muscle and I was a skinny little runner. So I chose figure and I loved it because figure is still very regimented in terms of what poses you have to do. You know, it's not as quite as loose and as personality based as bikini is, but there's still a little bit more femininity. You wear the sparkly suit, you wear the heels, you get to, you know, do your hair and look really pretty. And so it's, to me, it's, it, again, it's like the best of both worlds. You, you still get to be muscular and strong, but you still get to look feminine and pretty. And, and 
once I did that, um, I did a few shows. I did my last show in 2009. And then instead of training for shows, I decided I'd rather coach people. Mm. And um, I actually now judge bodybuilding shows up here. We've actually oh, got a wow. show coming up in May. So that's, oh, my that's kind of what I, I'm now, you know, the one making those decisions and deciding yeah. <laughs> you know, all the rankings and stuff like that. So it's kind of come full circle. Wow. For people listening, what, what was that process like? I, I mean, it must have been so much discipline and regimen and just structure and meal planning, prepping, all that stuff. What was that like? Was it a like a 12-week process for you? Did you have a coach posing, all that stuff? Because that's so cool. I mean, from doing a marathon your whole life, I mean, you're running the LA marathon and then going to the bodybuilding world. That's mm -hmm. just like night and day, so it completely transformed my body and I had to really like rethink how I moved and how I trained. Um, it's funny because even though I ran for cardio while I was training, because I put on, I, I probably put on about 20, 25 pounds of muscle in those two years that I was doing bodybuilding and it changed how I ran. It changed how I stood and walked. And to this day, my body's never fully gone back to that, that runner type body. Um, which is funny because now I'm about the same weight that I was when I stepped on stage for the last time, but I've, mm. I've cut down some of my muscle and regained some body fat. So I'm kind of in this good little equilibrium that I totally yeah. dig because I don't have to work very hard for it. And <laughs> if there's one thing I am, it's lazy, um, <laughs> which you don't hear from a lot of trainers. But to answer your question, um, training for a show, training for a bodybuilding show is one of the most intense and regimented things that you can do. And when I would train clients, I would always ask them, are you ready to have to measure and weigh every single bite of food that you eat? My last show was December 5th of 2009. And that's about 10, 15 days after Thanksgiving that year. So I remember showing up to Thanksgiving with my little Tupperware full of white fish and my oh little steamed my green beans. And that's all I got to eat for Thanksgiving. And they asked me, you know, because uh, I love pumpkin, everything, pumpkin spice, pumpkin pie. And they said, oh, just just have a little piece. What what harm could it do? And I had to explain, you don't understand. I've been training for over a year. You know, I started this process a year ago. And to have a piece of pumpkin pie now, 10 days before my show, no, it's not worth it. Because I, I don't want to stand up on that stage knowing that I could have not had that pie and looked better. So... Mm. For some people, it can be an incredibly grueling mental experience because you do have to commit so fully. But what I found is similar to the marathon. Once you're committed and you know that it's going to be extreme, but you're all in, you just do it. I like that. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, this is crazy about the, the food and everything. So how do you is there like an assessment that you do with people, especially if they want to do a show? which is completely different from just usual body fat or increasing strength. Mm -hmm. What are some things you look for? So I love that question because that's something that I really um, have really prided myself on studying more of as a coach and as a judge. Um, in bodybuilding and in figure, we look for what's called like an X body type. So you want the mm. top of the body to match and you kind of want a nice big upper body that tapers to a narrow waist and then nice kind of big even legs. And you always, you know, you should be able to put your hand up and, and, you know, compare the top and the bottom and does the top match the bottom? Does the left match the right? So you're looking at symmetry, you're looking at total muscularity. So 
when someone's coming in to train for a show for the first time, the first thing I do is I kind of assess them as if they're going to be on stage. And I look at their body and say, okay, you know, your shoulders look good, but your lats are too small or your lats look good, but your arms are too small. And the coolest thing about um, building muscle, and you, you probably already know this, is you can actually spot build. Now, a lot of people, when they want to lose fat, they want to spot reduce, and that's not possible. You can't really lose fat from certain areas of your body because you kind of have to lose it all over. But when you're building muscle, you can choose where you build that muscle. So if you need to work on your shoulders, you can specifically train your shoulders and make them bigger. If you need to work on your legs, you can specifically train your legs and make them bigger. So you can choose where you put that muscle. And that's the first thing I do with clients is say, okay, we need to focus more of our attention on these areas. And then as far as nutrition, you know, when you're building, you're, you're making sure you have enough calories to build that extra muscle. I always say, you know, which team's going to build the fast, the house faster. It's the team that has the more, more wood, right. You know, so which, which person's going to build muscle faster. It's the person that has the fuel that's taking in the fuel to actually build muscle. So you want to make sure you're getting enough calories for that. Um, The whole dirty bulk thing is a myth. You don't have to, you can't just eat whatever you want. Um, you don't have to gain fat to gain muscle. They're actually coming out with more and more research that shows, that shows that the cleaner you eat when you're building, the better your protein synthesis and the more muscle mm. you can put on and the more fat you'll lose too. So mm-hmm. um, that's why I say people like, if you're going to do a show, commit to minimum six months, but probably at least a year because you want to spend that time building that clean muscle first. And then when you go to reduce, it, sh- it doesn't have to be nearly as extreme. And then once you kind of get into that cutting phase, then you start playing around with, okay, we're going to take away carbohydrates. We're going to probably boost protein a little bit. You know, you have to, fat can be kind of tricky because you want to give people enough fat, but fat is twice as many calories per gram as protein or carbohydrates. So when you're cutting down, fat's usually the first thing to go because it's, it's the biggest calorie bag for your buck. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of play around and see how everybody's body and everyone's a little bit different. So bodies will adapt and you just do measurements, you know, weekly or biweekly and make sure you're staying on track. Mm. And then, so right now, I know you're saying you're working full-time uh, mm-hmm. at the body. Was it at bodybuilding.com as yep, I was I'm- a trainer? Content so editor? I'm actually, I'm the senior content editor at bodybuilding.com. Mm-hmm. I'm the co-host of the bodybuilding.com podcast. Hey, so this is fun out. for me because I don't have to ask questions. I just get to answer them. <laughs> and, um, and then I also curate the exercise database. We call it the XDB. And we have oh, over, I think we're up to something like 4,500. So 4,500 different exercises in there. Uh, you know, I name them, I do the descriptions. If you've ever clicked on an exercise, you probably recognize my voice because my voice is the voiceover voice. Oh, dang. That's so <laughs> awesome. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I do Thinking a lot over it. there. Wow. Cause I, yeah, I remember back. Yeah. Back even in those times, I remember always clicking on those videos here and there, the incline press, you know, and the bench press and the voice would come out and that's you. Yep, <laughs> oh that's God. me. That is awesome. So how did you get involved with bodybuilding.com? So you're a full-time trainer. Mm -hmm. And then how how did that happen? So that's a really good question. I, um, I've always wanted to be a writer and, Mm -hmm. you know, I I assumed that I had to have a degree in English to be a writer. So I was like, well, it's kind of like the medical thing. I'll just assume that, 
you know, it's a dream, but I'm never going to do it. And throughout my career, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different people, a lot of different clients who all kind of have various things going on. And one of my clients had a fitness or had a supplement website, but he needed content to go on it. And since I knew about fitness, he said, well, why don't you write the content? And I said, okay, how hard can that be? And that's kind of how I got started writing content and learning how to, you know, put words on a page and publish them and things like that. And then as a trainer, as a full-time trainer, and again, I'm sure, you know, um, it can be a little tricky to keep your schedule, you know, nine to five, I'm getting older. I'm in my late thirties now. Um, so you look great, man. Oh my thank God. You. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I wanted to get to a point where I wasn't always working early, early hours and late, late at night. Cause that's when people want to train is before and after mm-hmm. work. So one of, um, one of the, actually he was the editor in chief. I was friends mm-hmm. with him on Facebook cause he was also a UCLA alumni and he posted the job and I kind of messaged him. I was like, I think I might be qualified for this. Should I, should I apply? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And, and he knew me as a trainer and he knew that that was my background. And it really is the perfect fit for me because I get to use my 16 years experience as a personal trainer, but I also get to write and edit and create content and do Mm. voiceovers. And every once in a while, they let me go in front of the camera I don't know why they don't let me do it more often. I think it's because <laughs> I'm a bit of a ham, but. <laughs> so. Oh, that's awesome. Oh my God. So you just reached out and, mm-hmm. and you got in. Yeah, wow. I applied for the job and it was a pretty rigorous po- process. I had to go through four rounds of interviews. So wow. um, I must be the right person for the job. If Must if they, be, there we go. If they cleared me through that path, but I've been with them for about four years now. And wow. like I said, I love it. I'm so happy. It's it's the perfect kind of blending of all my skills. Right, because I was looking at the articles you had written on, on bodybuilding.com and that's when I reached out. I was like, Heather, we got, we got to do this because I really like the way you think your the recipes all these different things and um, a question that we had from one of our other clients was what type of eating or nutrition thought process do you share with your customer with your clients or you write about I know you talked about the carbs protein fats mm-hmm. manipulation is there something that you kind of follow I know it's probably a you know a kind of a holistic type but for yes yes I do follow so um I've tried almost every single diet under the sun, mostly because as a trainer, I wanted to be able to speak with authority on anything that my clients came to me with. So if they came to me and said, hey, what's this keto thing that I hear about? Or, hey, what's this thing that I hear about? I wanted to be able to tell them from experience, okay, this is what it's going to feel like. This is how your body's going to react. And so I've done, I mean, I've done 30-day juice fasts. I've done vegan and vegetarian diets. I've done keto. I've done low carb. I've done paleo. I've done zone. I've tried it all. And the secret, and and this is kind of my, my niche that I found is intermittent fasting. Here's why. So intermittent fasting has the best combination of good results and easy to do. Are there easier ways to lose weight? Yes, absolutely. But you're not going to get as good a results. Are there better ways to get results? Yes, but it's not as easy. So it's kind of the perfect blend of something that anybody can fit into their schedule. You don't have to limit what types of food you eat. You can be vegetarian, paleo, vegan, you name it. You can do anything you want, but 
you're controlling the window of time that you eat in. And when you look at the research, it really talks about how like it's a much more natural way to, to eat because this whole breakfast, lunch, and dinner thing, that's kind of a modern construct. It used to be mm -hmm. we'd forage and you just eat when you find food. And if you don't find food, you don't eat. And a lot of people kind of um, bulk at the idea of, oh, you know, not eating for a day or not eating for 18 hours. I can't do that. Well, yes, you can. People do it all the time. People skip meals all the time. The problem is we're eating all of our meals or all of our calories late at night. And that's the worst mm -hmm. time to eat. So if someone doesn't want to do intermittent fasting, I say, okay, no problem. Shift all your calories to earlier in the day. Just shift them all mm. and try to eat the most in the morning, eat a little, you know, a substantial lunch, and then as little as possible at night. And I always say, think of it like energy. When do you need energy? You need energy to start your day, but you don't mm -hmm. need energy to finish your day. You need to wind down. So if you're dumping a bunch of food into your body at the end of the day, it's going to key you up. You're not going to sleep well. Your body's going to be busy digesting instead of resting. So really that's like, rather than recommend a specific type of diet, I recommend people look into a version of intermittent fasting that works for them. I love that. You know, it's just crazy because this, uh, I wrote a book called fighting sickness and fitness. And we talk a little bit about the different fasting protocols, uh, 14, 10, 16, 8, 18, all that good stuff. Uh, one day, is there, is there a different protocol? Do you like, I know you said you like to have most of the calories at the beginning of the day. So if they're fasting, let's just say someone's doing a 16, eight style. So they're for those listening, 16 hours fasting with the eight, eight hour eating period. Where do you like to put that eating period? So I'm a little bit extreme. I actually prefer the five and two method where you fast oh, for two full days or and they're not consecutive. So usually you do like a Monday and a Thursday. Mm -hmm. So you do one day of fasting, eat normal, eat normal, do one day of fasting, eat normal, eat normal, eat no you know, that's kind of mm -hmm. your, your rhythm. Um, the reason I like that is I don't want to have to stress out about fasting every single day. Like with mm -hmm. what you're talking about, the 16, eight, and this is just personal preference. Everybody else totally different. But for me, I like just picking one or two days. And that's just the day that I, I don't eat that day. And when I say don't eat, I mean, I'll have maybe a quarter of what a normal calorie intake would be. So if normally I eat 2000 calories, I'll eat no more than 500 that day. So I'm not truly fasting, but I'm not, I'm not really focusing on eating. Mm -hmm. And I like it because it means I only have to think about it for one day at a time. Mm -hmm. If I get way too hungry that day or way too, like I'm craving something, I just tell myself I can have it the next day. And mm. I've, I've recommended that particular protocol to clients and they like mm. it for that reason too, that all you have to do is get through that one day. You can literally wake up the next morning and have that cookie if you want to, and it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about it. And usually what will happen is after a full day of fasting, you'll notice that your cravings go down substantially. And what you were craving like crazy the night before so much that you couldn't even think about anything else, you're mm -hmm. not going to crave it as much the next morning. And nobody believes me until they try it. And then once they try it and they see, then you, you get hooked. And you're a believer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for somebody who has never done any type of fasting, how would you recommend them to start or ease into fasting? Or would you I, just be like, just jump right into it? I would say it depends on kind of what type of blood sugar type you are. If you're someone mm -hmm. who gets really low blood sugar, 
I would say you just want to start out with like a good solid source of protein in the morning, maybe like a hard boiled egg, just to kind of make sure you're, you're keeping your blood sugar even. Um, and then plan on a protein shake at lunch and then scooch into the evening and dinner time and be prepared that you might just have to go to bed early that night, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I rely very heavily on like hot tea, coffee, mm. water, things like that, just to keep your belly full. And then never, ever, ever try to start a fast on a day off. Always do it when you're working, do it on the day that you're busy and when you've got other stuff going on to distract you. Cause that's where you'll, you'll always hit that wall when you're thinking about it. But if you're not thinking about it, you can usually get through it. That's a great piece of advice doing it on the day that you're really busy. So it's not on the top mm -hmm. of mind. Like I got it just sitting down. I got to eat something versus like, mm -hmm. okay, I got to go do this. I got to go talk to this client. I gotta go see this. That's a great piece of advice. Yeah, pick and your busiest day, do it on your busiest day for sure. Busiest day to start. I like that. And this is going back to John, John Brady. I love this guy. One more question from him. He said, also, what advice would you give to clients of trainers not that I'll listen, smiley face. <laughs> John, he really talks highly of you, man. <laughs> oh, John. John, I trained him. He was one of my earliest clients when I first started working for Gold's Gym back in oh, that's where you 2007. Were. Got um, it. That's where I started. And then in 2009, so I worked there for two years and then moved out and started training on my own. Mm -hmm. um, no, that must have been 2010. Anyway. But um, he followed me and he and I trained together basically until he moved and until he left and, and left me behind and went to Hawaii without me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're always welcome now. You got a gym to work out at. Yeah. You, know, you can come anytime. He assures me I can always come to visit. One of these days I'll find a free moment. But uh, to answer your question, John, the advice I give to clients of other trainers is you hired that trainer for a reason. You hired them to keep you motivated and to help you stay fit and stay on task in a way that maybe you couldn't do on your own. So, you know, even if a trainer is recommending something that's maybe not your cup of tea, there's usually a reason behind it. And any good trainer is going to give you that reason if you ask. So you're more than welcome to push back. Chances are they're going to have an answer for you if you do. So don't be afraid to ask questions, but also don't be afraid to follow their advice. <laughs> John, I love that. <laughs> I, I could just I could just hear him watching this, just smiling like, yeah, Heather. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And you know, Heather, this is just something I love asking other people who are very active and busy and and just people who are just always going. What do you do on the days where everything just kind of feels like a funk, where you feel like, oh man, just there's just, there's that feeling of like, I feel stuck mentally, nothing's coming to me. What do you do on those days? Like, it might be really rare, but like for me, for instance, when I get those days, I might go out and do a run, cold shower, do something, maybe change up what I'm eating. What are some things that you like to do on those days? So first of all, I always try to pay attention to what gets me into a funk. Mm. I've discovered that I'm very sensitive to sugar. You know, if mm. I eat too much sugar, my, my mood will go down. I'll get grumpy and cranky. I won't sleep as well. So, you know, I'm not perfect. I eat things that have sugar with them every once in a while. And that's usually what, what can start that funky feeling. <laughs> um, my number one tip is if you have a bad meal or you're kind of 
in a little bit of a slide, eat something healthy. My go-to, I love vegetables. I love salads. I love roasted mm. vegetables. So just eat, eat something that's a vegetable and kind of mm. clean your body out, clean your palate. You know, it's also helpful if you find yourself kind of binging those, those like TV snacks, you know, if you're yeah. sitting there just eating popcorn, chips, what cookies, whatever, and you can't stop, go grab a bag of carrot sticks or celery or something and start munching on those and get your body to kind of reset itself. So that's one thing as far as food. And then if it's just a low energy day, I mean, there's something to be said for sunlight and exercise outside. If I can get outside mm. and just breathe fresh air, you know, especially the year that we just had where we were all stuck inside and we felt like we had to stay inside. Well, no, you yes. don't have to stay inside. You know, <laughs> you can still get out. Even if you live in an apartment, there's still a window that you can open. There's still, you know, a porch or a balcony that you can go out to. Just go outside, get some sunshine on your face, breathe in and out a few <laughs> times. Um, there's, you know, I, I love studying meditation and mindfulness and breathing. And they talk about, you know, it all starts with breathing in the sense that when you get angry or frustrated or scared, the first thing that changes is your breathing. You know, if you start breathing fast, you start feeling things. So if you can slow your breathing down or take nice, big, deep breaths, especially if you're anxious, especially if you're having a bad day, I mean, that, that'll turn things around almost instantly. Wow. And so these things, where did you get these from? Were they just more experienced or was there some sort of like a group of people or like a teacher, mentor, father, someone like that, that kind of, this is great advice, like breathing, you know, it's so, uh, it's so simple, but it's, uh, you're so right because it's not something that everybody does. Like what you said, people hold their breath, like, right. And that's so true. Mm -hmm. Um, is there any articles or books that you're a big fan of? <laughs> oh gosh. Um, I, I'm constantly either reading or listening to a book on tape mm. and I got really into mindset books in the past couple of years and kind of, oh. um, cause you know, if you think about it, you know, we've got cell phones and, and they're basically little computers that connect us to the internet and you really have mm -hmm. control over what you put into your head. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a millennial. I'm an elder millennial. I'm on the, the older side um, <laughs> or a young gen, gen, what is it? Gen X. Right. Um, right. Gen X. So I'm very, very prone to things like anxiety, existential dread, you know, all those things. And I find that consuming positive things and being aware of how much power your thoughts have over you, it, it makes a tremendous difference. And it doesn't even have to be that you're thinking negatively about yourself. What I found this past year is I thought I was doing great with my mentality. I'm like, no, no, no I've, got, I, I've got great positivity. I think I'm great. I think I'm awesome. I can do anything. But then what I found out is I was having a lot of negativity about other people or negativity about people who'd upset me or hurt me or made me mad, you know, and I would think about that all the time. So even though it wasn't me, it was everybody else. And um, I recently got into, there's this book called Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. And Love Jay Shetty. He's phenomenal. Like I've been kind of watching him over the past couple of years and he just released his book this past year. And it's, I've, I've probably listened to it three or four times now. And <laughs> it just talks about, 
you know, getting your thoughts in order. And one of the best takeaways, I don't know if it was explicitly in that book or just kind of in studying mindfulness in general is you always choose how you can react to things. Nothing ever happens to you. Mm. Like nothing in this world happens to you. Things happen and you react. And that's a very monk mindset because we all want to, you know, we all want to think things happen to me. This, I'm in the center of my universe. This is happening to me. No, no. Things happen and you can choose how you react. I love that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so mindset books. And so like, I, 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 you know, it's so incredible because I've only started reading maybe just four or five years ago. And I've, just like what you're doing, just that whole feeding your mind and all this stuff. And have you heard about Robin Sharma or any of these other guys too? Uh, the popular like Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins, the, yep, uh, yep. Yeah, all these guys. That's incredible. Jay mm -hmm. Shetty. What was the book title again that you just shared with everybody? Think Like a Monk. Think Like a Monk. Yes, it's a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. Um, I've also gotten really into Habits. So there's a couple Ooh. of a couple of good books out there. There's um, oh gosh, the compound effect, which is all about how little habits compound over time, and they mm. can compound negatively or they can compound positively. So one of the examples he uses in that book is you can be a millionaire, but if you're mm. spending more money that you make over time, you're going to lose all your money. Mm. Or you can be earning minimum wage, but if you're making more money than you spend over time you will become wealthy and we always think it has to be like i have to start out a millionaire i have to you know little things that you do every single day over time will lead to great results and then the other really great book that i absolutely love a book by james clear is called atomic habits james clear yeah yes. atomic habits yes. Uh, Put the toothpaste right in front of you. Uh-huh. That's a great <laughs> book. I love that book. I've, again, probably listened to that four or five times by now. And I nice. always get something new out of it. Um, and my favorite thing is he talks about, you know, little, you don't have to do the whole habit. How, you know, you just have to overcome that initial friction. So don't go, don't make yourself go for a run and then assume you're a failure if you don't go for a run. Just start by putting mm. on your running shoes. Mm. And if you do that enough times, eventually you'll go for a run, you know, <laughs> you go, or he yeah. said like, go to the gym, but don't let yourself stay there for any longer than five minutes. Well, eventually the effort of going to the gym, you're going to finally realize I might as well work out because I'm already here. I like that. See, that's, the, that's such a powerful mindset. And just like with like nutrition and everything where it's like, instead of like completely changing the nutrition, just eat that apple. Eat that Just apple. Eat that apple. Yeah, I love that. Atomic Habits. Atomic That's another habits, great yep. book for people listening. Atomic Habits. And one of the easiest things to do with nutrition, since you brought it up, mm -hmm. drink a big glass of water. Make that the mm. first thing you do before you do anything else. Love it. Big glass of water. Put it next to your bed if you have to. Oh, some dimes, man. <laughs> Heather, you know, really quick, I just want to just take a moment before we get into the last couple questions, like, I just want to acknowledge you, Heather, for sharing your, your background and your origin and how you came to be and your philosophy and your thought process and things that have helped you along your journey and your clients. And this has just been such a pleasure. I can't believe almost 40 minutes flew by. I'm just like, oh, this is crazy that almost 40 minutes flew by. And that's how we know it's, we're just clicking, Heather. Like, I cannot wait until we can like, I got to meet you one day, like in person, like we got to get you out to Hawaii. Or, you know, we got to make our way I'll out to come out there. 
there we go it's nice and warm over here it's like uh what is it like 70 degrees right now 75 oh i'm so. jealous <laughs> so i can't wait so yeah really just uh want to acknowledge you for that heather thank you so much and uh winding down to the last couple of questions like when you hear the quote fighting sickness with fitness what comes to your mind what comes to my mind is a prediction from Edison in the early 20th century, I believe. And he said, the doctors of the future are not going to prescribe medicine. They're going to prescribe proper diet and exercise. And he was one of the greatest minds of the, of the modern era. And somehow he got it wrong, but he didn't. He only got it wrong in the sense that we have way too many medicines and way too many therapies to interfere with the body and really food is your greatest medicine and if you can eat your way or exercise your way to health you just have to remove all those other things all those other medications all those other things that are not helping and standing in the way so that's what comes to mind mm. said edison predicted it a long time ago and we're there we just have to believe it that's so awesome heather like you, you just seem like such a cool person i would just like chat and just chill with you know like <laughs> You seem so well read and so just intellectual, like Thomas Edison and James Clear and, and Jay Sh and all this stuff. It's just like, wow, like intellectually, I'm just vibing. And uh, so for people listening, where can people find you, reach out to you, Heather, uh, if they had any more questions? That's a good question. You can find me on Instagram at Heather Eastman Fitness, just mm -hmm. all one word. Um, same thing on Facebook, Heather Eastman Fitness is my personal Facebook page. And then again, if you want to read some of the articles that I've written, um, if you want to see mm -hmm. some of the workouts that I've put together for bodybuilding.com, you can always head over to bodybuilding.com. You can look me up on my author page or just type anything into the search bar that you're curious about and it'll generate all the articles that have to do with that topic. Sweet. We got to make sure uh, we'll, we'll make sure all the links are uh, put below. So Heather, Thank you so much. And, you know, was there any last words you want to share to our audience or John or anybody who's <laughs> listening to this? Because they're going to be like, he's so stuck. Like he, we kept telling him, hey, I'm going to talk to Heather next week. I'm going to talk to Heather tonight. And he was just like, oh, my gosh, you know, so please ask my questions. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope he's still doing his burpees, especially when he's up. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, I got to say, he said, is that all you got? <laughs> is that all you got? Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. My favorite is when a client pushes back because it can be so much fun. And like I said, I trained him for over 10 years. Like he's almost like family at this point. So mm -hmm. it's good to hear that he's doing well. And, you know, I, I feel like I got to say everything I wanted to say. Mostly, I just wanted to say thank you for having me, um, for taking this time to, to chat with me. And, you know, I look forward to maybe meeting you in, in person one day. Absolutely. I look forward to it. I see that guitar. In the, is that guitar in the background? <laughs> this So that that was my Christmas present. I would show you oh. more, except there's like a pile of unfolded clothes oh, right yeah. here. But uh, that was my Christmas present to my husband this year. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So he has a guitar. Mine's in the other room. And oh. we, every once in a while, we jam out together. <laughs> nice. Passion projects. Love it. Well, Heather, thank you so much for coming on the Gotta Get a Podcast show. Ladies and gentlemen, please subscribe. Check out her uh, profile. All her stuff will be in the link below. Until next week, Monday, have a great one. Done.